When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. Russ from High Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. You know what I'm going to say. If you're new channel, please subscribe. Yada, yada, yada. I'm not bothered because I want to move on because I want it to be Trev. Um, as you can see, we've got Trevor Sinclair, which is amazing. Um, you know, he... What can we say about Trev? That hasn't been said. You know, five years at the club, over 200 and, I think 206 appearances, I think someone mentioned the other day. 38 goals. And more importantly, he says, he's one of my 11 Look. Yay! I'll take that, Ross. There he is. There he is. He's one of my 11. One of my 11. Not just me. Not just me. 24% of everyone we've interviewed, you've been in their team, man. Which is, you think yeah, about, you know, that. absolutely. It's because, it's because, you you know, you were, for me, you were, you were part of my most exciting time at West Ham as a fan. You know, sort of that, that red nap era and stuff. And um, yeah. but we'll talk yeah. about that. How are you, more importantly? How's everything been in this world we live in now for you? Yeah, it's, it's been different, obviously. It's been different yeah. for everybody. I feel very, um, very lucky. Um, mm. You know, I work in the media. Uh, my job has not been affected as, as much as many mm. uh, people's jobs have. And I've also got an academy which was affected, but we started, I think, started back after uh, lockdown on the 1st of June. I've got oh, wow. responsibility of about 60, 70 players from 16 to about 21. And looking at the way my, my own sons were dealing with it, it was very difficult for young people to deal with. Yeah. Um, so I was really keen to get the academy back up and running. We had groups of six. We had to hire coaches so we could get the bodies there sure. and, and get, the, get the lads in. But uh, yeah, I was pleased to get going. And yeah, life's good. It's been, um, it's been fairly a reasonable trans, like, transition from being a professional footballer to being a dad and a husband, uh, mm. which is first and foremost anyway. But yeah, yeah, I've been lucky more than designed. I went to live in Dubai, started coaching because my son's coach was crap. Uh, <laughs> ended up loving coaching and loving mentoring young people who were playing the game and then fell into a bit of media work and that's ended up being kind of my bread and butter for my day-to-day um, work at the moment. So yeah, yeah. enjoying it. And uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. In retirement really um, but i've just fallen into the, these little uh, niches and yeah i feel like uh, i enjoy talking about football it's something i've took seriously all my life and um mm. obviously i like to give a little bit back and i feel you know coaching is is my way of doing that and it gives me that little fix of coaching every day definitely no i can see that that makes perfect sense and obviously yeah as we've spoken just before on air yeah i obviously listen to you quite avidly when you're on on <laughs> off mr white's show um <laughs> that's but, challenging in itself yeah 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 good old jim um and it must be weird i mean you know you must be living the whole life on 
this computer on your phone, like talking to people and stuff like that. It's it, that's that's what I miss the most. It's I mean I I work in London. I went to London for the yeah. first time in and it was just weird, like so yeah. weird in the office and seeing everyone. But it was lovely seeing everyone. Um, yeah. Although you couldn't hug or touch no, anyone, no. you know. But uh, and that must be weird for you guys as well. Particularly you know obviously with so many boys on you know looking after all those you know, sixty odd, you know boys like you know. Just the sort of the, the banter typically is arm around the shoulder. Da, 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 yeah, da. You've yeah. all got to sort of second guess things, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's been the same for everyone, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I feel like we're we're lucky because because we're just out of that professional kind of jurisdiction. Mm. We we I wouldn't say we took liberties, but we've been able to get back into things a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, we've got the protocols for COVID. We've got the um, hand sanitizers. We, we you know we take it seriously. Yeah. Um, but we're in a part of the world where. Um, it's not been affected as, as many as some, especially up north. Mm. We're on the coast and we've, we seem to have kept our uh, our rating quite low. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we took it seriously. You know, we started off with one of post-passing drills and things like that. But it is, it's that camaraderie, it's that, um, that contact with people. You know, it's something that, you know, we've become accustomed to. It's part of being a human. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, I've, I've missed that. But just to get the guys back in, it was just of like course. phenomenal. Looking at them, seeing how low they were and how happy they were to come back in. Yeah. You know, it made my job, it, it's rewarding anyway, but it made yeah. it even more rewarding. And actually, it, it kind of presses home how much responsibility you've got over these young people to Definitely. try and mentor them. Um, even if they don't go into football, they'll probably play at a decent level anyway. But just mm. going on and being, you know, a good part of the community, bringing positivity and hopefully, um, you know, having a good life through football as well. Yeah, no, it must be. Yeah, it must be such a must be a privilege, but also a huge responsibility to have all those. I mean, we've spoken to Jack and and Zavon, and obviously Zavon's with the under fourteens at West Ham, and Jack's got his own. Yeah. You know, he's obviously Atlanta stuff, and yeah, it's a huge yeah. responsibility, particularly you know in this weird, weird world where we don't know what the fuck's going on. Let alone <laughs> let alone trying to impass. You know, I've got. I mean, you're a dad. I mean, I'm a daughter, I've got an eight year old yeah, daughter, exactly. and and she's taking it in more of a stride than anyone else because she's like, oh well, not going to school. It's okay. I can just watch more. YouTube and Roblox over there. Yeah. Well, I think um, obviously it affects young people a lot less. Yeah. Um, so I feel that invincibility, which we probably all had in our youth, um, is with them. And that's why, you know, they, they be, before they came back with us, they were playing in the park together. Of course you know, they We were, can't yeah, control yeah. that. But obviously, because we've got a jurisdiction and we have to um, get things in place properly, uh, we have to take yeah. a little bit more time. But like the sooner we could get them back, the better. But going back to London, I've been to London a few times and it's strange, you know. Yeah, I quite is. like it. Because I wear a mask yeah. and no one recognises me, so I can go yeah. along, I can go about the business quite nicely uh, without getting abuse. And uh, also, I like getting on the tube when it's empty, and it's you know rather than like sad. I know you mean. Like, for the ten o'clock show, so I arrive in Houston around about half eight, and yeah. like is claustrophobic. And, and when you live yeah. on the seaside, like a little village, like living where I do. Um, you really do realise how busy London is and it's just mm. a, a, a ridiculous amount of people gathering together, all going places in a rush and uh, it's quite nice to get, but it is, it's sad obviously, obviously it the economy's struggling and all the rest of it, but just going back to what you said as well, Ross, you know, with regards to COVID, as it was building up, you know, through February, we'd actually take it, you know, I'm a father, um, yeah. I'm a coach, there's responsibilities that go with both of them uh, roles and we actually took our training down to like a skeleton week uh, and started doing online classrooms prior to the government yeah. making their things. Yeah. And, and I was going into shops with masks on because, you know, I don't know if it's because we have not, not enough PPE, but I was just like, common sense, if I've got a mask covering my nose and face, and mm. a pair of shades on, by the way, 
um, <laughs> and I go into a shop and someone sneezes, it's going to be less likely that I'm going to catch that infection. Makes sense, yeah, yeah. So I've, we, we had masks on and things like that prior, not in training, but prior to sure. uh, the government saying that it was going to be useful and it could help stop the transmission. So I don't know, I think sometimes you just got to use your common sense, look after you your, do. your family and, and hopefully, you know, as a country, we can get through it. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's funny, you're talking about not being recognised and stuff. I was in, the, I was at the, uh, this is totally unrelated, but I was at the co-op, uh, I was at the co-op petrol state. That's the life I live, you see, co-op, you see. No, you know, none, none of this shell name garage, dropping co-op. Name dropping, name before. dropping. And um, I'm going to drop a name because uh, Kenny Brown was getting petrol next to me. And I went, he had his mask on. All right, Ken, because I've interviewed him before. And he went, yeah. how the fuck do you recognise my face? And I was like, well, because... You know, you just got out of the car and then you put your mask on. But yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. crazy when that happens. But um, yeah, no, but, but you know, football's back. And, you know, I mean, it's great that football was, was back for that. I think you needed to be back just to improve the morale of the country. And maybe not so much for Watford fans, but but for obviously West Ham fans, it's all improved it, the morale and, yeah. for, for a while. But um, yeah, it was good to get back. And I know what you mean. I mean, obviously, I'm fortunate enough to be one of the 300 there. Um, and... Yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not as horrible, but I mean you know I get home in twenty minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> now I get a car park space in the ground and off I go. You know, privilege. Very, very selfish, that Ross. Very. It's very very selfish. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to be honest, like you know, my all I do is play the play the play music there. I just play the bubbles music, and I've done it for twenty years. And it's like, you know, fair enough that you know, do we need me there? Probably not. But you know, I'm not going to complain because. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the I mean, atmosphere. One of the, obviously, we've been doing the bubbles for, since I was there and way yeah. before. One of the things I couldn't get my head round, and I, I don't know who this is, who's responsible for this, is Upton Park was always Upton Park. And all yeah. of a sudden, when we were making the move to London Stadium, it became the bowling ground. And I just didn't get my head round that because I'd yeah. never, we'd never, every time we spoke, you know, to teammates, to coaches, to any of the fans, it was always Upton Park. And then all of a sudden, when we were moving it with the bowling ground, I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, it's one of those weird things where it's a different school of thought, isn't it? It's called. Yeah. It's always be called the, the if it like the the actual post was when it was there. They sort of the postage address was the bowling ground Upton Park. So it right. was a bit of both. But yeah, I I don't know. I always called it Upton Park. Um, and there'll be probably people watching this afterwards who'll be commenting going, oh, the reason it was called the bowling ground. Yeah, yeah. But that's where Stan, and that's <laughs> everyone's got an opinion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. But we'll see. And obviously, in a new season starting soon, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll, we'll see finished, how it goes. We finished after, you know, after lockdown, we went into restart. I thought the boys were outstanding, you know, yeah. especially when we really needed the points. Mm. Like, obviously, that little bit of desperation there. But Antonio's performances were, were incredible up front. You know, he's how bright he was, the way he held the ball up, his movement was so intelligent, his finishing was exquisite, mm. powerful, you know, clinic. Oh. We'll have Trev back on in a minute. <laughs> Trev's dropped out. We'll be back in a minute, Trevor. We'll be back in a minute. We'll get back on in a tick. Don't forget, everyone, we've got um, all summer, all September, rather, we've got our, um, our game show nights on Thursdays. So make sure you stay in touch for that subscribe to the channel so you made aware of any time we put them in um because um it's really really important that we try and raise as much money as we can for iron supporting food banks um we've got a goal of twenty thousand um twenty thousand pounds um we'll be back on in a minute or is he back in 
Oh, no, he's gone. He'll be back in. Uh, we've got, we've got a thing of £20,000 to win to get by the end of September. And I am confident in the West Ham community pulling together and getting that um, and getting that figure involved because um, we need to, basically. I know everyone's, you know, everyone's losing money and, and lost jobs and things like that. But, um, you yeah, know, there's a lot of people who are worse off than a lot of us. So um, here he is. He's back in. He's coming back in. He's coming back in. Uh, you'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got a call. I just rejected it, but um, the screen went off. That's all right. I can't see. Yeah, you. I can't. I can't see. Now. I can't see you though, Trev. So I can't see your camera. You can't see me now. No, I've just got a black screen. Oh wait, did you not? Did yeah. you see me before? Yeah. Come out and come back in. Come out and come back in, man. I'll, I'll get you out. Come back, and it might be all right. We're okay then. Wait a minute. Um. What about that? Oh, there we go. Fantastic. <laughs> it's all right. I was just filling in, Trev, because we're doing some charity work for Iron Supporting Food Bank. So um, I've just get the people. Anyway, um, I can't be talking about uh, Antonio. Antonio, Antonio man. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I got asked a couple of times of West Ham fans. Um, surely Antonio should be in the, in the England squad. And I, mm. thinking back, listen, if, it was, if he played the whole season, like the last five or six yeah, games, true. he'd be in there. So yeah. I think more of the same, and I think it's inevitable he will get the opportunity because I think he does bring something different. His physicality, mm. his movement, his, 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 the way he scores. He scores all different kinds of goals as well. Um, he's good in the air. And, you know, he can play different roles. So I think he would be valuable if he can keep up that form yeah. uh, in the England squad. Because at the moment, I don't feel we're overly um, strong in the centre-forward position. I think there's mm. a couple of players in there where they're scoring goals and but they're not like the exciting players that maybe we used to have. Mm. Um, and I feel like there's definitely an opportunity there coming up for Euros next year. That'd be something yeah. that I'd be saying if I was Antonio's coach. Mm. You know, that that is a carrot there. That's something, a goal that you can achieve. So let's see if you can get there. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you speak from from a very valid position, Trevor, doing the yeah. same thing in 2002, which we'll come to as well. So we'll come okay. to that. Um, what what I like to do, my first question, 13 minutes into the interview, so that's not bad for me this time, um, is when I interview fans, I always ask them why are they a West Ham fan? What is their origin story? But for yeah. the players, I like to ask about how you joined the club. Because obviously you yeah. came, it was in January, you know, and absolutely, I mean, we talk about players going cheap at the moment. Yeah. In in a, in a generic sense, nothing yeah. specific. Um, and... You you were effing cheap, <laughs> to be honest. Well, <laughs> Got a bargain out of you. Yeah, did, what happened? What happened with the, with the whole transfer? Well, I, take, I take that as a compliment because at the time I was having a bad time at QPR. Yeah. Um, I was in my fifth year at QPR and I'd had some really good times. Uh, the club had promised me, you know, we were going to strengthen and all these different yeah. projects that chairmen's and, and directors promise you and managers. And before you know it, how, uh, sorry, um, Jerry Francis had left because mm. Les Ferdinand and Darren Peacock both got sold, which was something that when I signed my contract with the club, they said they were going to keep. They were kind of two best players at our club. I think um, Les went for stupid money and he was yeah. a massive success at Newcastle. And, and, and Darren also, Darren Peacock went for a good price and he, he did a great job uh, at both Newcastle and Blackburn. So it was the, the kind of the club went back on the word and then Jerry had had enough, Jerry Francis, he left. And then we got new managers in, and it, it it was getting kind of painful. I thought, from my ambition, um, I was kind of doing what I promised I said I was going to try and do, which was getting the under twenty one side. I've done that. Got in the England sat in, in the England squad. Did that. The scoring was, you know, you know, highly rated in the Premier League, and I just wanted the club to 
um, back up what they'd said and, and bring in good players, um, you know, to support something that we could do together. And it wasn't happening. And I was ready to go out. I picked up a bandit, bad injury. And on the back of me coming out of that, I think Harry Redknapp knew me anyway because me and Jamie played together in the England under 21 side. Mm. Uh, we won a tournament in Toulon and ended up going to Jamie's house for his 21st birthday party. Stayed at a hotel, but ended up dragging it out and staying a few extra days and stayed at Harry's. So he knew who I was. I knew who Harry was. So there was, yeah. a, there was already a relationship there. And then obviously getting the call when I was desperate to leave. Um, and I remember actually watching a game. You were playing in the cup and Samasi Abu was playing. And it was an exciting, like dynamic team. You had some yeah. young players who looked class, you know, your Rios and, and, and stuff. And it just looked like a really good bunch of players. I think Johnny Artson was playing up front. And I actually watched the game and thought, I want to go there. But because my confidence was low, I was thinking, how am I going to get in that team? Because they played really well. Mm. But I thought, you know what, I've got to take this. I've got to back yeah. myself and I've got to work hard if I can't make myself into that team. And, and, and I'll work my way into it because that's what I've always done where with the clubs that I've been to. So I got myself into the team first game and uh, it couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> you know, I got the call. But when I was thinking about West Ham, like, you know, I'm not ashamed to say this, but, you know, there, there has been a past yeah. West Ham fans where they're notorious and, yeah. and there's been, you know, I've heard whisperings of, you know, it'd be difficult for a black player to play there. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't say this uh, any other way. They've been unbelievable with me, you yeah. know, the, from the, from the day I arrived um, to, you know, the day I left. And even now, I just feel I've got a really good rapport with West Ham fans. Definitely. I think they get me. I was a, a, a kind of, I weren't the most talented player, but I feel I was a 100% player and I'd give my all for the team and they could see that and they appreciated that. And I think that that is um, the ethos of West Ham fans. They don't mind if you're not the best player, but if you go out there and give everything for, for the shirt, they'll, they'll be having you all day long. And yeah, luckily I, I had a good team around me and I was able to achieve a few good things there. And uh, when I look back on my time there, it's probably my, my happiest time in my mm. career, the five years I was there playing yeah. for West Ham. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean... I think you do do yourself a disservice there, Mr. Sinclair, I believe, in terms of saying, you know, because you know, obviously, you know, that, that time, yeah, as I said, you, you forced yourself into the England squad as well. Um, you know, I mean, I was looking for all your goals. Like someone put a montage on YouTube and you never scored a tapping, you know, at West Ham. It was never a simple little gut couple of, It was always like, you know, you're coming in the right wing and chucking it. You know, it's like, fucking hell. Um, and... And it was just part of that, time, you know, part of that fantastic time of West Ham, where it was like you're right. It was like a soap opera. You had like, you know, the young yeah. pretenders. You had the Joes and Rios. You had the older heads. You had the you know, Razor. You had like you had Monks. You had as Johnson, Decadio. It must have been an absolute blast in that dressing room. You must have had so much banter. It was unbelievable. I mean, even my first day, like the. I, there was two things that I'll remember for the rest of my life because I was I was I was crapping myself because I've yeah, been at West, I've been at QPR five years. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I've gone from the bottom there where I was I didn't even get on the bench to being probably that you know their kind of most yeah, valuable yeah. player to sell, um, and then was on the duet like after the injury struggled, and then I thought I'm going to have to do all this again. But I'd been I've got so comfortable there that I was yeah, nervous yeah. just for training. I was probably more yeah. nervous for training than I was for the game a few days later. Anyway, for training, we were doing a little ronda, like a little circle before we started. And I just remember two fans running across the training pitch at Chad Relief and saying, Sinclair, you're shit. And I was like, that, I, I, I was nervous anyway. And that just, like, all the lads just looked at me and got brought a couple of your fans with you, Trevor. And I was like, oh, no. 
But what really, I mean, that's, I'm good, I, will, I will always remember that, but what really, the, the biggest thing that stands out that day is when we were running past the gym, the indoor gym area at Chadwell Heath, and we were running anti-clockwise, so the gym was on our right, and he yeah. was pissing it down. And John Monker come out with a weightlifting belt on, socks and boots, and that's it. And like, you know, he's a, he is an absolute blast. And yeah. you know what, he just relaxed me. And, and like, I could sense him next to me because all the lads were pissing themselves laughing. <laughs> and then when I actually like had a little scan of him and I seen that he was nude, I was just thinking, oh my God, what a <laughs> lunatic have I joined here. But he settled me and, you know, I had yeah. a brilliant time. My oh, he's brilliant. And, uh, yeah, it was a really good era to be at the football club. Yeah, it really, really was. We've had John on before and he's, um, and bless him, he's still got that twinkle. You know what I mean? He's, I mean, he's found, he's found God. He, he can't he, drink he, anymore. He can't no, he drink when he drinks, he is, I'd say he's wilder than me. And that's, in that saying yeah. something, he's wild, but he is such a laugh. But he's still got that twinkle there. when we talk. When we're yeah. talking, it was almost like this little sort of like twitch, and he yeah. just went and told some story. And, you know, he mentioned the story that he came out all naked, and Harry yeah. ran after him and went, "John, we've got the sky cameras in." He went, "Well, get me some fucking kit then." And so, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I love him absolutely. But that's yeah, what I mean. His, all characters. His party trick, Ross, was getting undressed and getting nude. Yeah. And listen, it, you know, it, I'm not <laughs> punching below the belt here saying he wasn't the most well-endowed boy, but. <laughs> I was at Steve Lamas's birthday party and, um, you know, all the lads went. We had an unbelievable social life, the boys. We went out and everything together all the time. Probably too much and you wouldn't, get, you wouldn't be able to do it now. No, no, no. Um, but anyway, we were at Lomi's do, everyone's steaming. I think for my party trick, I'd done a bit of breakdancing and a few windmills in Lomi's kitchen. And then John Moncur was on stage. He'd moved the band off the stage. It was like a little plinth where it was raised. And he was doing his strip tease and his wife went, oh, John, hang it up. Hang it. You're going to have to hang this one up. Anyway, as he's doing it, he's fell off the stage backwards. And we've all had a bit of a chuckle because I think he was just pulling his pants down. Oh, and then as he came back up, he still had his shirt on, but half of it was covered in claret. He'd cut his head when he, when he fell over the back and it was bleeding everywhere. And oh, my God, I just thought, what? What a group of players have I joined? Uh, but uh, it was like that every uh, week. It was, it, yeah. was absolute, it was madness. It was madness. Yeah. But, you know, we, I think that was reflected on the pitch because, you know, exactly. obviously we didn't have the best consistency. But when we was on it, what, what a great side to play with. Yeah. You know, players appreciating each other. You know, Mavericks in there. Brilliant young players coming through. It was phenomenal. And, yeah, I was really, really pleased to be part of that team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was the most in since obviously the, you know in the Premier League era most successful team we've had. I mean, we finished fifth. That's yeah. the best, obviously European glory. We, we, we didn't have such a good social life. Honestly, well, mental. We'd go out just... on a Tuesday after training. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'd meet at the toll gate round the corner from the training ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Have a couple of hours in there playing pool and darts, and then we'd get cars to pick us up and straight into the West End. It was it was crazy, and that'd go on and. You know, you'd, get, you'd end up getting home at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning and have the Wednesday off to recover. But I think that's, <laughs> but I think that, that brings you together as a club, you know what I mean? It's yeah. that nowadays, I think, and also, not just internally, but I think with the fa relationship with the fans, I think that's why you have such a good relationship with the fans and Monks and people, you know, even before you time, like Ian Bishop and stuff like that. Because, oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we've had Bishop. We've, well, I was love, City fan Exactly, yeah. And when I was in, I was in uh, my first holiday away, I was in Magaluf. And um, I was with a couple of the apprentices from, from Blackpool. 
Yeah. Um, there was a couple of manks there from my old team at Boundary Park Juniors when we used to play in Manchester. And um, we were out having a booze, as, as young 17-year-olds do. And we bumped into Bish, and we worshipped him. But he got us under his wing and took us out with him for the day, bought us drinks all Such day. a guy. Absolute legend. Love you know. Him. And then people say to me, what was your first real times when you, you were massively looking out for City? And it was when, it was when Bish was running, yeah. pulling the strings for City, and he was like... I think they beat Man United 5-1 and he was part of that team. And I think, I'm not sure if it was at West Ham or QPR, but I just remember it was on the screen. I was watching it and there's like, it was on silent. There's a bit of a team talk going on and I was just ignoring it's the manager cool. watching the game. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, got a game here, and things like that. But he's a top man. Real, real top guy. But I mean, that's, it's I mean, nice that he's played for both clubs as I yeah. am, you know, Manchester City and, and West Ham. And quite a few people have, obviously, Wal Diaz and, uh, and Mo- Trevor Morley and countless more, David yeah. James, a lot of them. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, you, you just had that. I mean, I just think it's a, it's a facet of modern football now. You don't get like character, like you like, you don't like, you know, yeah. no one goes out on the booze. And I think well, it's uber professional. I get that. But yeah. I think that's why you don't have that relationship with players. I mean, you stayed around for five years at West Ham. Nowadays, if you get five years out of a player, they're an, they're a club legend now, and they, you know, and you know, they're lauded. But actually, you know, nowadays, if you get two years out of a player or a manager, you've done well, and mm. um, that's that's something I miss. I think I miss that sort of character. There doesn't seem to be many characters in the game now. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just the way the game's evolved. Yeah, I think it is characters, but you're almost you kind of you keep it back a little bit because yeah. you don't want to come across as someone different you know Jack Grealish just having his exactly down, yeah I was about to say that and, yeah. that and that's nothing do you know what I mean if you think that's kind of being outlandish it's, it's a joke so players are not yeah. encouraged to be themselves and bring any kind of individual personality mm. to, to a team sport now which I think is a, is a big miss because yeah. in my days it was huge and it, it made the game a lot more colourful to watch Oh, you're great. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. You're right. And anyone who does stand out now just gets, you know, victimised and, you know, for being cocky. It's like, well, yeah. no, it's like, I mean, funny, you know, like, you know, in your, I mean, look at the, the way Di Canio would conduct himself. Oh. And he was alleged, you know, and so, you know, it's, it is what it is. But um, it's a shame. And I think it's also the, the fact, because football, you know, I mean, you know, so it's uber professional. There's so much money in the game. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I used to live in Loughton and, and so Loughton, a lot of, lot of, obviously, Paolo lived in Loughton and a lot of players yeah. lived in Loughton. And you'd see him walking into Safeways and stuff and yeah. it'd be like, oh my God, you know, Pete Butler. Um, but nowadays, they're all in high rise Canary yeah. Wharf apartments and stuff. It's a shame, but um, it is what it, it is. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we, we haven't even touched on European glory as well. The 1999 Inter Total Cup. Oh yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. that I, was. I mean, I love that. I love that tournament when we were in it because we got yeah. away to a few different places. Yeah. There's another story involving Monk, uh, Monks, <laughs> uh, when we was there because we had Dabo, uh, Suka, and yeah. Eagle to match in the squad, and um, they took us out on a shooting day. But it weren't like you know you go to a big warehouse where it's professional and it's all safe and and all this. It was just he took us to a woods. <laughs> And started getting out these ridiculous weapons, AK 47s, and this, that, and the, I don't even know what they were. So we're, I, we had a suit of it. Yeah. And then Monks being Monks, you know, he, he got start bollocky naked again. And he ran out into the field, like, into like, like moss land and grassland and a few trees. And I, like, he was about 100 yards away, and, and like Dabo and a few of Dabo's mates, you know, and took us out. I'm like, no, no. It's, that it hadn't been cleared for mines. Oh, and man. and the, the 
the blood and the colour of monks. You could just see it come out of his face. He absolutely chacked himself. And we did. I was like, oh, my God. So he almost had to try and follow his step the way he'd come. Oh, no. But he's like, you know, he's like Benny Hill. He's, he'd do well to follow that. And I was like, anyway, he got back safely. And he, he the sweat oh, coming off him was ridiculous. But that was, I think that was the morning of the day. You know, you wouldn't yeah. even imagine anything like that oh, no. in Croatia. If you no. were playing a, a, in the UEFA competition now, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that competition, took... I really enjoyed it, and it was brilliant. In the final against, Mets, yeah, was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was superb to win a bit of silverware with West. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you know, and and you know, people, it is, people talk about it, but it's like you know, I'm not being funny. It's a European competition. We've won, of course, since you know, since 1980. So I'll take anything. You know what I mean? Um, Monks, Monks talks about kids. He told me a story about Davor, in that Davor was obviously likes to play the market, the old stock market, and uh, he told he told John about a good tip, and obviously Harry is it about it as well, obviously as you would imagine. Um, so they're both hearing about the tip, and um, it goes absolute tits up, goes absolute tits up. The tip does, and they lose lose all their money, and then at training the next day, Davor was in. And Monks takes him out, clean out, you know, literally takes him clean out. I think Trev's got a call. He's a very, very, he's a very, very busy man. Um, I'll tell everyone else the story in case they have. And Devil takes him absolutely, you know, Monks takes Devil clean out, absolutely clean out. And um, there we go. He's, he's back. He's a, he's a busy man. So he's, he's having lots of people calling all the time. He says. There he is. Oh, no, he'll be back on. So anyway, Davor to so so literally Monks takes Davor completely out, two footed tackle. And um and here he is again. He's a popular man. He's a popular man. He's getting all these phone calls. That's the trouble with Trev. Sorry, mate. Sorry. It's alright, don't be silly. Back in the room. You're right, back I've got in to press something now, Anna, so you can see me. Yeah, I've got to see you. How do I do that? I'm absolutely useless with technology. I've what got... is it with football players and technology? Because well, everyone has my age. I think no, I just age. think it's everyone. Honestly, it's everyone. As everyone can't do. <laughs> oh, Camera. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, boy. Sort it out. It's all right. Don't be silly. It is a weird one. Why do you have to use this platform anyway? Just because it saves me a lot of time later on, right? Okay, on Zoom rather than <laughs> anything right, else. To edit afterwards and stuff. Yeah, it just takes time, really. Um, it takes a lot of time to edit it afterwards. Well, this it's just done. I record it and it's done, and um, it is what it is. I mean, we can start. We can carry on chatting. Ted doesn't matter. Everyone can see you. Everyone knows you're on. So it doesn't matter about that. Um, so so. Uh, and then obviously we'll just carry on chatting. Um, so obviously after that. Um, you know, you managed to get yourself back into England squad, yeah. which is amazing. I mean, that was great from a fan's perspective because it was just like, you know, having a West Ham player in the England squad. Yeah. But for you, it must have been absolutely incredible, man. It was. I and mean, it was one of them where I'd been in the squad a couple of times um, whilst at West Ham. But it was kind of almost like the big clubs were well represented again. And um, for whatever reason, I just kind of missed the cut initially. And then they brought me into a shadow squad. And we went over to Dubai, uh, I think trained well. Um, and then we was um, going out to um, South Korea. And, uh, you know, I remember um, being asked if I'd be one of two or three that came out there. And I thought, well, of course, you know, I'm not going to 
turn this opportunity down. But then it ended up being just one. And it was like a 23-man squad and me. So that was quite <laughs> difficult um, from a confidence point of view. Um, but it, again, something that you're never going to turn down. So I, I, I played a couple of friendly games there. And then it started affecting me. I'd been away for probably three weeks. Um, and I said to Adam Crozier, who was the chief executive, and says, Ben, I said, listen, do you mind if I go back and train at Chadwell Heath? And if anyone gets injured and you want me back out, I've got on the next flight back. And, and that's what I did. And yeah. literally by the time I got back, uh, Danny Murphy was injured. I had a couple of days at home, a um, little cuddle with the wife, a couple of glasses of Shiraz and uh, went back out there and back felt in charge. And uh, got in the awesome. squad, obviously in the 23, then the name the squad was announced. And, and then I, I was in the squad for the World Cup, which I thought was going to be a supporting role. You know, mm. I understand when I'm a B-side of a, a vinyl record, I wasn't going to be one of the mainstays in the team. But the way it worked out, I, I ended up turning that about and uh, starting, well, starting three games, but playing the majority of four games out there. And yeah, uh, yeah it was a dream come true playing in it the was. World Cup, something that you, you know, one of the ambitions as a kid. And yeah, to achieve that, it was amazing. It's a shame we couldn't go come further than the quarterfinals. Yeah, I mean, but it, for, from a, 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 a fan perspective, it was just incredible because I don't remember an England player playing for at West Ham at the time because um, everyone else seemed to leave and then play for England unfortunately but it was great and obviously you played left wing there and obviously you know West Ham you, you started up front against Everton you played right wing left wing right wing back you played all over the bloody place Trev but um... that was a graveyard shift the, the right wing back I've not got the frame <laughs> for that position you know I'm about, I was about 12 and a half stone and you know, that was it, if I was looking after myself. And to do that, I mean, you've got to be a steeplechaser to do that role. Yeah. But 5'11", you know, real slender physique, so you can get up and down. But, you know, I chundered through it and uh, managed to pull off a few performances in that position. But, yeah, yeah. ideally, left wing, centre foot. I enjoy playing up front. Did you? Yeah. Uh, that was probably my favourite position. Um, but, you know, I was, I, I think because I had that, String to me goal where I could play right and left, and I'd, I'd give give my all wherever I played. Um, I was mm. always utilising them positions more often than not. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, you know, you, you have a, you have a great accolade of of my granddad, God rest his soul. His eyesight was going um, when he was at West Ham. I don't know how we allowed him to drive, thinking about it in hindsight, because he couldn't see. But basically, anything that was done good by a West Ham player who was black was Trevor Sinclair. Wow. Only only play on the pitch, that man. Only play on the pitch. It could have been Shaka doing a save, but it was Trevor Sinclair. <laughs> Bless him. And I always remember oh. so highly of, of all that stuff. Right, let's 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 get on and talk about your eleven. So as I said, what we do is everyone we get on, bar one of your bar your former boss actually, Mr. Redknapp actually, he didn't pick an eleven. Um, but everyone else, Annie and Bishop actually, um, has, has picked an 11. So the idea is we pick 11 players. We try and do a 4-4-2 um, of the players that you've been, you played with at West Ham. So yeah. Obviously five years, a good spread. Love, yeah. You know, phenomenal players. So be interesting yeah. to get your thoughts on this. And obviously you can you can say honourable mentions. So you might yeah, want to pick someone yeah. and not piss anyone. Out. And it's only just a giggle. We all, just, we yeah. all know it is. Um, so we'll go through in goal. Right, in goal, it's, it's a tough one because obviously Ludo was there, but he didn't play much whilst I was at, no. at the club. Um, it's got to be between David James and Shaka Hislop. You know, um, I think for pure ability and, and performances, it's got to be David James because, yeah. you know, I remember being at the club and he saved us so many times. Uh, phenomenal keeper, 
But, you know, a very honourable mention to Shaka, who was an absolutely wonderful man. Beautiful human being, as uh, Brendan Rodgers would say. Um, loved him to pieces. His family, Desha and all the kids and that. What a marvellous man he is. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure to play with him. But I think just on performances alone, J-Mo was ridiculous. You know, yeah. he, was, he was six foot five, whatever he is. Um yeah, it was it was some stature and yeah, an incredible goalkeeper as well. But like most keepers and Shaka aside, most keepers I played with are barking mad, and Jamal yeah. unbelievably fits that bill because he, he is he is an absolute crazy boy, but brilliant goalkeeper. Oh yeah, fantastic goalkeeper, and you have to be, I think. Yeah, have to have that slight sort of craziness to be a goalkeeper don't you I think to yeah. be honest when you look Absolutely. at them but yeah he's a good man and yeah, okay Shaka. going on to right back Go on um, it, it was a tough one because probably a little bit of uh, not jealousy a little bit envious because there was a year when I was at West Ham where Sebastian Schmel won player of the year yeah. and he was he was top drawer and he had an unbelievable engine he wasn't the most technical player but he was a great lad and he was game as, game as he come um, so he's definitely coming into the reckoning uh, but he did beat me to Player of the Year that season, so I was, I, I'm not going to make him right back. <laughs> a bit poisonous in that way. Uh, I'm going to have to say Glenn, Glenn Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Glenn was... He, he went out of the club a long time. I think he only played about 15, 18 games for the club. Um, but I remember him coming through as a youngster, and uh, I think he was 16, 17. And I was... A, I, this is kind of when I was at my pump. You know, I was the most powerful. I, I had mm. experience, and I, I, I built my body up working with Paolo in the gym with the other boys. And I remember a ball was about 10 yards and we both sprinted to it. And we kind of got there together and I thought, he's only a young pup, move out of the way. And I went to move him and he moved me. And I thought, <laughs> and a few lads said, get on the weights, Trev. And I thought, how, how old is this kid? And like, to have that kind of physicality. And I yeah. kind of, you know, because I'm five foot eight, my uh, low centre of gravity makes exactly, it really yeah. difficult to push off the ball. Uh, but Glenn was able to do that. I'm straight away, and you know, he was a technical player as well. He was a great athlete up and down, made good decisions on the ball. Straight away, I thought this boy's going to be quite special. And uh, he went on mm. to have a phenomenal career. Can, uh, can, you, he, can you spot play? When you uh, when you get like the youngsters come in and do training, do you, like from a football's perspective, you go, he's going to be good. He's not going to make it. He's going to um, make it. It's not as easy as that, Russ. I think mm. you, you have an initial, say, like you, you have an initial kind of, you rate them ability-wise. Yeah. But it's not until you get to know the personality, um, the work ethic, how seriously sure. take the game, how um, you know professionally prepared they are, and then you realise the ones that are going to go on and do well, and the ones that might be flashing the pans and might have a decent youth career, but then because they've not got certain things in place, uh, they might struggle to kick on into the professional game. But I think you know the ones that are going to, you know, stick in there. They're going to continue to work really hard, and, and they'll probably achieve their potential. Whichever that may be, but whether, yeah. whether it's going to be, uh, you know, just from a little bit of ability or watching through a game, you can say they've got ability, but you have to see them for a period of time to to know whether they've got a chance of making gotcha. a career in the game. Okay, uh, but yeah, so right back, Glenn Johnson. Yep, who's also a work colleague of mine. Oh, he exactly. was. I don't know if he's still at Talk Sport, <laughs> uh, but he was. But yeah, I have to give a mention to uh, Shamel. Uh, who played against us in that Mets Cup final, by the way. He I think did. That's when he was uh, scouted. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And then <laughs> centre-half, quite tough. I've got to say, I mean, listen, we've got to put, I've got to put Rio in there. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I was I was at the club as he, as he, as he made his breakthrough. And um, 
loved him as a player, loved him as a lad. And uh, yeah, he achieved everything I expected him to. He was very, very um, wealthy when it comes to his skill set and, and, his, and his tools that he had. You know, he was quick, he was tall, he was strong, he was confident, he, he was technically very good. Um, and, he, he, you know, he had a, he had a lot of self-belief. And uh, mm. when he was on his game, even in training, you find it very difficult to get the better of him. And I, I always thought that he, uh, he, he'd, he'd go on and, and do really well. I remember, actually, I scored a goal against Chelsea. I think uh, I, I didn't like, love the keeper as he came out. And I ran into the corner. And the fact that there was limbs everywhere, the, the fans were going mad. And I was like, I'm one of them guys score. If anyone else scores, I'm all over him anyway. But if I yeah. score, I, was quite, I think I was quite a, an unselfish player. I weren't bothered about me getting all the headlines. I just wanted us to be successful as a group. But I scored this goal when, when I was playing up front. I think I scored 17-14 when I first arrived. He did. Playing as a centre-forward. So, Al Berkovic put me through, as he usually did. Dink the keeper, ran off into the corner. And as I ran off into the corner, the lads swarmed all over me. And I remember Rio, Rio saying to me, oh my God, you're too good for us. And like you know, for to come, it was only a baby. Yeah, he would have been what eighteen or something. And and for a player like that to to say like, my God, what you know, you are too good. Yeah, that was a really nice compliment. And it was, you know, it wasn't um, anything that was uh, you know thought of before. And then he just come out, it, it, like, oh, he's just going to come out of it. It was just a just moment. natural at, yeah. at the moment. It was like wow, Trev. So yeah, well, I, I, I saw. I, was about to say, I saw one of him. I saw watching one of the celebrations. When, well, I think it might have even been that game or one of them. One of the goals he scored, and he looked like he jumped over everyone. There's, there's a celebration, and he, he, Rio literally looks like he's jumped over everyone. Yeah. I can't remember the goal. He must have backed us to win. <laughs> 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 All right, Rio's in. You can't bet on games now. Um, no. So yeah, I think and, and the other one, and he's literally polar opposite of Rio. My other centre half. Would be Thomas Repka. Um athlete, incredible athlete, um, the, one of the bravest players I've played with. Really? Um, you know, he, he put himself in front of a car, it meant us avoiding conceding, mm. uh, and an absolute diamond as a man. You know, didn't speak unbelievably brilliant English, but he was just—he was a team player, and it, you know, if you—you know—you hear the saying, "Oh, you'd have him in the trenches with you." You would yeah. have Thomas Repka in the trenches with yeah. you. Because um, he's that kind of character, and he, you know, he, he, I think he would give a great service to West Ham, and uh, someone that I actually, you know, really like as a person, um, quite a genuine man, and uh, yeah, he'd have to go in there, and I think they complement each other in the back four. There, Rio could be the silky one, pick up and like sweep a little bit, and he could just go in and head everything a little bit like yeah. his relationship with that he had at Manchester United. Yes. Um, so yeah, he'd be my other centre half, but I have yep. to give mentions to Ian Pearce. Oh. absolute diamond you know lovely lovely gentleman again um, Razor you know he was my best mate at the club which uh, Harry had to split us up because he wasn't good for me um, taking me <laughs> out uh, um, painting the tiles red as usual so yeah um, I've got to give a shout to Razor because he was he was different class on the day and, and Christian Daly you yeah. know Sione could play right back as well um, but you know, when you talk about phenomenal athletes, you know, Christian was right up there. Again, one of them players that would give everything for the cause. You know, and it was it was probably a toss up between him and um, Thomas Repper who got in there. And I think Thomas has just edged it for me. But Christian, you know, great lad and you know, really good friend as well. You know, when I speak to him, bump into him now, he's a top top man. Good man. All right, Thomas. Going into left back. Yes. Yeah, left back's quite tough. Um, 
I'm going to I'm going to say Dixie because probably most people do. But the reason I'm saying Dixie is not really Dixie when I played with him because he, he wasn't he wasn't that good when he came back. Let's let be honest. He weren't that good. He's, and he, you know, even to get on the pitch, he'd done well because his knee was in tatters. Yeah. Um, but it was when I played against West Ham for QPR sure. that he's he's got into this side because he was a nightmare. You know, yeah. he was aggressive, he was challenging. For you, yeah. Um, yeah, when I was playing on the right for QPR, yeah. um, <laughs> he kind of, you know, he had good experience. He was a bit bit older than me, so he, you know, he really he was a fantastic footballer when he was at West Ham before he went to Liverpool and picked up that injury. Uh, but not only that, he worked so hard going the other way. More often than not, he'd get the winner. You know, mm. from a free kick or penalty, and it affect the game in the final third for West Ham against me, which not many fullbacks did at the time. You know, people say he was the most difficult fullback you played against. I think it was Cole, Ashley Cole, and and um, I'm kind of struggling after that. You know, yeah. like I always thought, like if I was on my game, I would get the better of most fullbacks. And but I think Julian was one of them players who caught me when I was quite young and was able to get the better of me. So. I'd have to say Dixie, but I've got to give a shout out to Potsy as well because Potsy played there for quite a while when I was at the club, and you know, talk about you know the ultimate professional. Uh, yeah. Potsy, seven out of ten, week in week out, um, always there on time for training, so reliable, and um, yeah, a real good team player. So I definitely have to give him a mention as well. So there's my back yeah. four keeper. I'm not in this side, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not in this side, so um, I'll, I'll be assistant manager or something, <laughs> or a, a mascot. Uh, on the right, so my, I, I think my, my midfield's very strong. Um, and it, again, it goes with you know the, the, the time I was, the era I was playing at the club. On the right, I'm going to put Joe Cole. Yep. The Maverick. Seen him come through as a kid. Took his first Premier League goal off him because it hit my oversized backside or... If you listen to Harry Redknapp, my oversized backside on its way for a 25-yard shot. Claim that goal, but then giving it on the plate for his first league goal um, when I pulled it back. I think it was against Bradford where I pulled it back and said, you want a cherry on top of that. But, you know, talk about players with no edge. You know, he's such a, such a lovely lad. Um, talented, no ego. Um, works his socks off. Wants to learn, wants to improve. Mm. And uh, it wasn't a surprise that he had the career that he did. It. I mean, potentially he could have done even more. But you know, when you're talking about the titles that he won and, and, and you know how iconic he was in that period for Chelsea, especially. But coming through for West Ham, um, yeah, I was, uh, there was no no hesitation in my mind that he was going to have a really bright future. And um, yeah, just one of them players who, who don't want anything off anyone. He's prepared to work for himself to get what he needs, and uh, he did that superbly well. So. I put him on the right. He's, he's benched me, hasn't he? he and is. then um, centre halves. I've kind of gone try to go for a balanced team. Yeah. So centre midfielders um, are going to be Mark Vivianfo. Oh, yeah, God yeah. bless him. Um, gentlest giant I've ever been, a, been in a changing room with. You know, absolutely phenomenal athlete. Uh, mm. Technically superb, which is usual coming from you know the, the French. French um, teams and then just just a really gifted person, really giving, selfless person, work his socks off, not looking for any stardom, just wanted to get on with his job and do it to the best of his ability. So um, yeah, he was he was brilliant in there and you know so combative. So he'd win a lot of individual duels. He'll take control of that centre of the park, yeah. and then in, in there with him to, to you know to compliment him, Michael Carrick. Oh. So you know Michael was 
yeah, Michael did everything in the game. You know, um, I think he was unfortunate not to be more successful for the national side. Yes, uh, domestically did everything. Um, I almost took him out the side for, for playing for Spurs, um, <laughs> but I'll keep him in there just because he is such a. He's a lovely lad. He's a Geordie lad. He's, yeah. You know, if you've met him, you won't think he's got two quid to rub together. And, and you know, and he's a he's just, he's just a really good person to be around. And um, yeah. as a footballer, you know, technically wise, I think he was underappreciated for probably three quarters of his career. Uh, but a stunning player and someone who I'd always have in the team because he knows how to look after the ball. He's got great vision. And, um, you know, he's a real team player again. So yeah. he'd be in there. On the left-hand side, Probably not a team player, but an absolute unbelievable player. I've got Ayo Berkovic. Oh yes. Ayo, um, I mean, I played, I played with him. Um, you know, for my first games at West Ham, and he stayed yeah. for a while. He was just phenomenally talented. Um, if we had an eight-a-side game, if Ayo was on his game, whoever he could have the seven worst players and him and his team would win. Really? That's how influential he was. You know, he was about nine stone, wet through. Um, his change of movement was ridiculous. He's, he, he played ahead of the, like, a little bit like Scolzi. People say about Scolzi, you know, mm. played for the future. I was exactly the same. His weight of passing and, and the ability to pick out forward movement, which I did quite a lot of me and him really did um, link up really well. Um, he was just, and he's a funny man. You know, people might not know that about Ayo, but no. we played a game in Denmark pre-season. I think this was for Man City, so I played in City as well. But we played a game pre-season and, uh, in Denmark and there was a, a Jewish wedding at the hotel we were staying at. And I was a big big name in, 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 in Israel. Anyway, they were all over him and they said, oh, please come. And me and I were rooming together. So we sneaked off into this bar. We were not supposed to be drinking, but we had a couple of shifters. And uh, I ended up getting on stage and he was just, he was unbelievable. He was on there for about 15 minutes and... and he was, he was speaking Hebrew or whatever it was. I didn't yeah. understand it. But looking at the reaction of the 300 people that were in there, oh, he, he was a funny guy. But he was funny <laughs> with us anyway. And uh, Yeah, I got a lot of time for Ayal. And uh, yeah, I'd love to know what's, what he's doing at the moment because I've not, I've not heard from him for a while. So yeah, but Ayalberg is super talented. And he'd take, the, he'd take there. Obviously, big um, emissions from there. Frank Lampard, you know, he was superb while I was at the club. Yeah. Obviously not got the best rapport with the fans, but he was phenomenal. He uh, was. Really yeah, he was. Player. He just wasn't there long enough while I was there. John Monker has to get a mention because, you know, I watched the Bradford game recently and he surprised me how good he was. And, 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 Steve, and Steve Potts, you know, captain of the club. Uh, again, one of them players you want in there when it gets, gets a little bit lively in there on the pitch. You want him with you because he'll, he'll throw himself into anything uh so, yeah, there's a few lads that I've uh, not picked, but they could quite easily have got in. Easily, easily. And then, and then going to my forward line, which I think is probably the most difficult thing for me because it's <laughs> so many players. I'll, ma- I'll name the players that are not in the squad. Okay. So, Paolo one-shot. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like, he was. Unorthodox, but effective, um, clever, um, knew how to, you know, manipulate situations to get himself into goal scoring mm. positions sure. um, Paul Kitson underrated you know, I remember the hat-trick against Charlton he was Tommy Technique with the, I've never seen anyone execute volleys like him coming from the left he used to late run across his body and it was ridiculous I couldn't do it with, I was always decent coming in from the right but coming from the left it was a you know, it was completely different and, and, and he had that in the bag but a great lad as well and you know people look at you know 
kits and say, well, what's 5'11"? He's quite sharp. What's it? Mm. He was the strongest man you've really? ever... Really? Wow. When he took his top off, he... Sports Social Podcast Network.